what pops up a beer or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him what you got He said I'll start off with some talking And some moody clips of popcorn fighting Fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing Full month horror movie marathon Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on Contest and of course you know it's all about games I said slow down let's just start with the name It's the Nerds RPG Variety Podcast With the other Jason Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Maybe it's your auntie or a joke put by your spouse, but the operator screaming is coming from inside the house. Hey up, Jason. Shandy Andy here. I think it's fair to say that the variety has never left your podcast, but in the latest episode, perhaps there was indeed extra variety. I'd just like to make an observation, though. While I was listening to your podcast, I couldn't help but notice that it seemed to me every time you mention ICRPG, your dogs start growling. What's that all about? Hey, Shan Dandy, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. I never noticed the dogs bark when I t- mentioned ICRPG. I'll, pay, I'll to pay attention to that. That's very interesting. As far as putting the variety back in the variety cast... Yeah, you know, I was getting pretty heavy in RPG stuff for a while there, which I'm still going to do, of course, but I do want to touch on other things, be it movie reviews or the board game review like I'm doing this episode. So it's definitely good to change things up. As you know, I don't have deep thoughts on anything, so I have to wow you with shallow thoughts on a bunch of things. Anyhow, I'll talk to you later. Hey, Jason, Spencer here. Keep off the borderlands. Um... The Neon Demon. Um, First of all, I didn't realise it was a Netflix movie. I have seen it a couple of years ago now. I think it got a theatrical release over here, but I could be wrong. Um, I will say that I can't remember very much about it at all, which probably says quite a lot. Uh, I can remember the... (sighs) A lot of imagery from it, but I can't remember an awful lot about the story. I mean, it is quite a striking-looking film, and um, well, it's directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, who also directed Drive, which is a film that I absolutely love. Uh, but it's an extremely stylized film, and um, also not a lot happens in it. But as in Drive, that pacing really worked for me in the neon demon i don't really feel that it worked i quite enjoyed watching the film but it kind of washed over me i don't really remember much about it at all um and i can sort of see what you're saying about it uh being slightly lynchian um uh, but like you said it's very on the nose and if you can say anything about david lynch he is not on the nose everything is up for debate and um, 
but but yes, I I think I kind of I see what you're getting at with regards to the tone it being quite an up, unsettling watch, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's not on par with uh, Lynch, I'm afraid. So that was Spencer or Free Thrall of Keep Off the Borderlands. And he's also a big movie fan, and, and he likes some off-the-wall movies like I do. So that's kind of why I specifically mentioned Neon Demon, which I reviewed last episode. And, and, and I don't disagree with him. Like I think I, I hope came across during my review, I wasn't wowed by it. I thought it was interesting, but it was kind of just a lost opportunity. It was a little bit weak, and it seems like Spencer kind of agrees with me. Uh, one thing, I need to revisit Drive, I guess. I... I remember when I watched Drive, I wasn't overly impressed by it, so I'll rewatch that and see. Um, I know then when I revisited The Crow, I came away with new appreciation of it, so maybe I'll have the same thing with Drive, who knows. So thank you, Spencer, I really appreciate the call, and I look forward to talking again soon. The next couple calls have to do with episode 56, which was a review, I, a joint review I did of the first season of Space 1999 with Ray Otis of Hi Jason, just calling in regarding your episode on Space 1999 you did with Ray Otis. Great job guys, really enjoyed that, listening to your thoughts. And it's interesting, interesting to see uh, the thoughts of the Americans because when this show was produced back in the uh, 70s, it was the most expensive British production ever made and Martin Lando and Barbara Bain were brought on board to give... Um, some interest to the American audience and the show nearly didn't get made because Martin and Barbara upped their fees just before recording and it was touch and go whether they would ever make series uh, one. So, um, yeah, great job, guys. And Catherine Shell, yeah, she's still going. Uh, she was recently in the Dracula TV miniseries that just aired over here. So, yeah, she's still going. Great actress. Thanks, guys. That was Pete Jones, the Dragons Are Real podcast and one of the hosts of the Purple Worm podcast. Thank you so much, Pete. Appreciate the kind words. Hey there, Jason. I just wanted to... It's John here from the Red Dice Diaries. I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed listening to your chat about Space 1999 with Ray Otis. Obviously, as someone from the UK, I'm pretty familiar with the series, being a bit of a sort of sci-fi fan, going back a fair way, especially with those slightly dodgily science-sourced sci-fi series with excellent model work and space 1999 at least in the original series as you say the second one sort of went off the rails a bit the first series was excellent though and i really enjoyed it i had great fun listening to the two of you reminisce about that while i was on a long walk today and it was great to listen to and i was nodding along happily so agreeing with a few things disagreeing with others as is my want as I was listening to that. So just thought I'd say I really enjoyed the episode. Keep up the good work, dude, and I will catch you soon. Take care. That was John Allen Large of the Red Dice Diaries. Thank you so much, John. I'm glad that you enjoyed that episode. I really had a fun time recording it with Ray Otis. Um, it's always good to talk, you know, if you have something that you really enjoy, and I really did enjoy the first season of Space 1999, it's always good to have somebody else to talk it over with and to bounce ideas off of. And, and we had gone out of our way not to really discuss a lot of it before recording. So, I, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that episode. I, I am a little curious what you disagreed with us on. Not that not trying to convince you or you convince us otherwise. You just, it's that fan thing, you know. I'm, I'm just curious. Anyhow, no big deal.
Now we're going to move on to the next part of our show, which is a board game review. So I don't know if this is so much a review as a preview or a, I don't know, just a, giving you a sneak preview even. Um, the game we're talking about is Near and Far by Ryan Lockett. Lockhat. It's published by Red Raven, and it's a pretty neat game. So Near and Far is set up in a world. It's also tied in with the game Above and Below, and it's kind of this post-apocalyptic future, I guess, because there's ancient tech robots and whatnot, but the average tech level is much lower than that. It's so so. It's kind of a neat world, you know, as it is, and and in Near and Far, you're on a quest. And, well, the backstory is you're in a quest, and you can go around a map and encounter different things, encounter different peoples. There's different tribes. There's a group of subterranean dwellers, and then the surface people that are at odds with each other, and they're raiders and things like that. Um, and, and there are a number of different species. Um, so you have humans, and you have, like, lizard man, and, you know, different things. Um, does have dogs in it, so it gets a big thumbs up you can have a dog companion um basically in near and far your 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 goal you, it's it's kind of a it's not a race game but you play you know it's a two to four player game as it comes or two to five and once and and you kind of go around and do different things but once somebody has placed down 14 camps then the game ends that triggers the end game and the end game is just you finish that turn. And then you add up points. These They're victory points, basically. I think they're called journey points in the game. I actually don't have the rule book in front of me, but and whoever has the most points, victory points, wins. But you can gather your victory points in different ways. You can unlock ancient artifacts. You can go and you can encounter different things. You can you know do different quests. If... You, you know, out on the map, if you, you know, put camps down on two ends of a trade route, you can get victory points for that. You can get victory points for fighting, like, the bandits and things. There, there's a whole, there's a variety of different ways to get victory points in the game, which is really neat. So there's no one clear way to win, which is nice. You can do different paths. And, and even though it's multiple player, and, and there is a mechanism in there for PvP a little bit. There's a dueling mechanism. For the most part, you're not going to be playing. You're not going to be fighting other, the other players. You're going to be doing your own thing. So it's kind of like talisman like that, where you're. Well, that's a bad example because you fight each other at the end of talisman a little bit. But, but you're kind of doing your own game, you know, alongside each other. Every now and then you might cross, but for the most part, you know, everybody's playing their own game, and it's not a fast-paced game. Well, let me qualify that. The turns go quickly, which is really good. So you're not sitting around twiddling your thumbs while somebody else is going. But it's not a race game like, say, the second edition Descent. You feel like you're racing through the dungeon the entire game. That because there's timers built in the game, and if you don't just run, you don't have time to catch your breath in the second edition Descent. Where near and far, you have time to catch your breath, and, and there's time to develop your character the way you want. And, you know, whether you spend an extra turn in the mine or an extra turn doing this, very well may not matter when you get to the end of the, you know, the victory points. Um, against super competitive players, it might, but against most people, it's not really going to matter. So you have a little bit of time to breathe and explore the world in this game, which is nice. It, 
so you have two areas in the game. You have a town, and then you have the adventure map. So in the town, of course, you can go different places. You can recruit adventurers. The, the mine is part of the town. You can go get artifacts in the town. You can do different things. Um, and then when you're adventuring, you can go to different locations. And, you know, there are different encounters put out there. It's got a book that's got pre-scripted encounters in it. And then each of the pre-scripted encounters, you can choose between two options. Uh, you know, an easier one and a harder one, which is nice. There's four modes of game. There's a competitive, a cooperative, a, like a adventure mode, which is like an ar- or arcade mode, maybe it's called, where it's set up for, you know, just like a quick one-session game. And then there's an interesting one that's a like a character-building one, where you spend like three, three game sessions just building up your character. So for people that like to, like, develop their characters... And, and, you know, you, you know, those folks, I, I'm not one of them, but my son is, that, you know, when they play one of these games, they really like to just buff their character up and take time just developing their character and getting the different abilities. You know, that mode would appeal to them. So, so they put a lot of thought into this. It's, it's a neat game. And there's some expansions out there for it, you know. And, um, yeah, so I would recommend Near and Far. I actually don't know what it costs right now. Um, I will add that at the end, but yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's, you you know, one of those games where it's not combat heavy by any means. So it's, you know, would probably be okay for a family and it's, it's interesting. And in fact, most of the challenges, you can definitely go through the challenges without fighting. Now, like the bandits and things you have to fight, but the majority of the challenges the harder difficulty is actually when you don't fight and you try to negotiate or you try to, you know, something like that. So, but I, but I really enjoyed playing Near and Far and I look forward to playing it again. And if you're a solo gamer, it's definitely one of those games you can have, you know, control two separate groups of parties. It doesn't, it's not built to be a solo game, but you could control two separate groups of parties and, you know, go out and do your thing about the same way you could play Talisman solo. So, just a thought. Anyhow, that's my review of Near and Far, and let me find out the pricing availability for you. So on Amazon, it's available for on Prime. In the U.S., it's forty-seven twenty-two, and in the U.K., it's fifty-four forty-four. Those are dollars and pounds, respectively. It's out of stock at Cool Stuff Inc., which is my preferred online order here in the states. But um, yeah, I mean, if you get a chance to check it out, or maybe you get a chance to play it first, but. It's a neat little game. So I say little game. It's a medium-sized game, I guess. But either way, I enjoyed playing it, so thought I'd give it a shout-out. What's in the basket? Easter eggs? I'm going to do an unboxing here because I really don't know what this is. This might not even be RPG-related. Uh, it's a envelope from Amazon. So this is just a real quick one. We're just going to see what's in here. Okay. Yep. It is gaming related to some degree. This is a book. Pretty horrible unboxing, isn't it? This is an Osprey book on the Viet Cong and NVA tunnels and fortifications of the Vietnam War. I'm hoping to run a um, Vietnam game here or maybe a 1980s drug war game. And we'll include some tunnel systems that will kind of take the place of dungeons. And so I got 
some research material and different books on NVA tunnel systems and whatnot. So, and so I'm glad I recorded this because it does actually have some some game material in here. Excellent. I guess quick gaming update. Um, this weekend I played in a bunch of games. I got to play that near and far board game. I played that with a buddy online. Basically, we had a Google Hangouts call. We each owned the game, so we each set it up. My buddy flipped over. He did all the card drawing. And, um, you know, we basically just tracked everything, you know, at home. E- each of us tracked it in our own set as we played, you know. And um, it worked very well. So that game was very well suited to that style play. So I was able to play with a buddy thousands of miles away, which is nice. And then Saturday afternoon, I got playing Dungeons of Thrall, which is Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue's low-powered GURPS dungeon fantasy game, uh, dungeon crawl game. And that was, I got to play with some, like, J- Evil Jeff of the Minions and Musings podcast, who I haven't played with for a while, so that was exciting. I enjoy, always enjoy playing with Jeff, so that, that was a good game. Well, and Che's games are always good games. Saturday night, I put it. Uh, impromptu game of Cyber Cowboys, which used the Deep Seven One PG system. I kind of mashed two. I mashed their Western and their space settings together, and the rules together. And basically, the plot was just something out of a straight Western, and uh, the um, the rules kind of got out of the way and just let us tell the story, which is nice. Um, the characters were I don't know. They, they were most something out of two thousand AD. <laughs> There's a psychic and a guy with cyber arms, and there's a a, a well dressed cowboy with with a um, vibro whip, but uh, it, it was a fun game. And then um, I was just audio only. We just got on Discord and and did it for, played for a couple hours. I think everybody had a good time. At least they said they had a good time. So either they're blowing smoke up my skirt or they they were having a good time. Don't know which. Um, Sunday I got to play in Carl's. BX Broken Lands. I've talked about that before. It's uh, using one of the old gazetteers, you know, D&D gazetteers for basic D&D where you're playing humanoids. I play at work in that game, but there's like orcs and hobgoblins and gnolls. And it's, and, and, and interestingly enough, that that session was, it was all politics and things. It wasn't, um, it was political maneuverings and things like that. We actually didn't fight anything there are no blows land in that game so that was interesting but that was definitely fun um the green brothers colin and darren who you know is spike pit and our fed are in that game so it's always fun to play with them and carl's a great gm so you know and then talking about great gms you know moved on to sunday afternoon played call cthulhu the next session of that with andy goodman andy's a great gm yeah, that's a fun game, and he'll probably have the audio recording of that out. He's been putting that out as an actual play, so you can kind of listen to us fumble through as we try to unsolve this mystery that our characters have found themselves in. So, you know, it wasn't a bad weekend, all told. Um, and that's about it. You know, the other, only other gaming stuff I guess I have to say is been working on Bushido. We got some characters created. Um... Ian without a podcast, He'll, he and those who know him will know who I'm talking about, has built this wonderful Google spreadsheet for Bushido that tracks 
it does all the calculations for you, all the math for you. And, and, and there's a fair amount of math in Bushido. So he really outdid himself. It's a great job on that spreadsheet. But we're looking forward to play that game on the 24th of February. So I look forward to reporting how that goes and, and how that spreadsheet works. But I think that spreadsheet's going to make playing that game a lot easier since it, autom- since it does all the math for you behind the scenes. So, so and, and I take zero credit for that. That's all on Ian. He, he did a wonderful job. So that's about it. I'm going to let you guys get out of here. I don't want these episodes to be too long, and I kind of feel this one's longer than it needs to be. I've rambled a little bit too much. So I will catch you all on the weekend. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach me, you can leave me a voice message using the Anchor app or go to the Anchor website. I'll play it on the air and make you famous. You can also reach me on the Audio Dungeon Discord. I want to thank Ray Otis, who did the thumbnail art for this podcast, and TJ Drennan, who did all the music for this podcast. You can find both of them on Patreon. Who's on the phone? Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I better shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the gold. Is a dustman and your moil is quite a tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are rising and the world is gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck